the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. You, your money, your life, your dreams. The answers are here. This is Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial. Hopefully you enjoyed the presentation we tried to do yesterday called a tech show. We'll do more of those in the future. We'll do more theme shows. Something you could do to help me out enormously is tell me what you want me to talk to you about. My specialty is in stocks and investing. Financial advisor, financial analyst, Wall Street guy, knows the economy, knows the stock market. You know, that's what I'm good at. I get a little secondary opinion on who the shark should pick up in free agency. I got a little opinion on what I think about the upcoming football season. I got some ideas on love and money. I got some ideas on financial planning issues. For instance, why buy a house in your 20s unless you know you're going to be at that job until the day you die? Well, unless you know you're going to be in that job until the day you retire. Why buy a house in your 20s? There's no rush. There's no rush. I think sometimes our society programs us incorrectly and does us bad. So I'll talk anything financial with you. If you have an idea for a theme show, drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com, and it could be anything. Compare the Oakland A's to the San Francisco Giants. Talk about the upcoming NFL season. Talk about young married couples. Talk about people in their 20s. I did a rave show not too long ago. Yesterday, I did a tech show. I've done a show on the 60s. I've done a show on the 50s. So any ideas for theme shows, bring them on. Now, later today, I'm going to be talking to Donald Trump's original apprentice, Bill Rancic. Bill Rancic. And we're going to be talking a little bit about financial markets. We're going to be talking a little bit about his life after Trump. Today, I'm also going to talk about cash for clunkers. Surprisingly, I don't listen to 910 when I'm driving into work. I'll listen to a little Armstrong and Getty, but I was listening to a little KGO today, and it just freaking makes me insane. Lynn Jimenez says, ah, there's one company who's done so good with cash for clunkers, I'll tell you who it is. And she goes on to tell us it's Ford. I'm going to be honest with you. She's an idiot. I will give you the review of cash for clunkers in just a few momentos later in the show. I got it for you. I got the analysis for you. I got the, how much does it help our GDP? I got how much does it take away from our GDP in 2010? I got it all for you. This is what I do for a living. I ain't no joke. I'm hardcore financial dude. To get your calls on the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Before I go there, I got something in the mail. Get your exclusive black card now, the world's most prestigious and versatile credit card. Limited membership. It's only going to be offered to 1% of Americans, so... What, 25 million people? Ooh, I feel I feel very, very, very uh, honored to be one of that group. 24-hour concierge service, exclusive rewards programs, luxury gifts. 
patent pending car- carbon card? I'm going to have a patent pending carbon card. It's a black visa. Now, Black American Express is cool. But a black visa, not cool. Black visa basically says you're an a-hole. And how much do you have to have to pay for the right to have a black, a black visa? Anyone want to guess? And keep in mind, the annual percentage rate is 13.2%. So there's no bonus there. What do you think to get a black visa? So you can basically pull it out in chicks and, you know, go, oh, he's wealthy. So dudes can go, oh, he's like Brett Favre. He's the coolest guy on the planet. He's got a black visa card. $495 for an annual fee. Who are the fools that do this? Who are the monkeys on the planet who don't live in the zoo? Anyway, woo, September's here. September, I'm changing topics. Back to the stack market. Dow down 190 right now. NASDAQ down 41. S&P 500 down 21. Bring back August. I don't want September to be here because September's not a good month. Let the fun begin. This is the time when the so-called summer lull ends. And trading desks, you know, you get the the puffy white stockbroker who goes back to work in New York. Even though we've lost a lot of puffy white stockbrokers due to attrition, due to the uh, downsizing of uh, financials, due to the loss of companies like Bear Stearns. Well, the puffy white stockbroker showing back up for work. And this time when the so-called summer lull ends, trading desks are no longer going to have to deal with a rolling vacation wave. They're going to get back to doing business with conviction. I hope so. I want them to pick up the volume. Volume tells me the truth. Volume tells me where money's flowing. Participation rate has to improve. We don't have enough people investing right now. We don't have enough action. Big question is, is it going to pick up selling? Or is it going to be a small correction and then the buyers are going to come in. Early disposition right now of September says selling. So that's a pretty ugly day, all things considered. It appears simply to be a continuation of the exhaustion trade. This is March, April, May, all up months. June, July, August, all up months. September. You don't go up seven months in a row. It's not Jack and the Beanstalk. You don't plant a bean and it goes straight up to heaven. I know you're saying Jack and the Beanstalk? Heaven? <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Stocks don't always go up. Markets dipped roughly one half of 1% over the last six sessions, even though we've gotten good news. We've gotten better than expected Chicago PMI, and we got Intel, who uh, raised revenue guidance, and we got stronger than expected home sales. Not good enough. Not gone. Not gone. Not good enough. So we digested a bunch of economic data today. ISM index came out. Construction spending, pending home sales. I got all that story for you a little bit later. The problem in my mind is conventional wisdom. Market has to correct at some point in time. And that's what screws with you on Wall Street. Conventional wisdom. Everyone knows the trajectory of this move can't be sustained. And yet everyone knows we're overdue for a corrective move of some type. And when you least expect it or when you most expect it, it ain't going to happen. And when you least expect it, the opposite's going to happen. So you least expect the market to go up seven months in a row. Maybe it will. You know September's a bad month, uh, but everyone knows September's a bad month. Now, we've seen a little bit of bearishness. Now, bearishness means people who are negative, people who think the market's going to go lower. From the AAII sentiment data. Now, who is the AAII? They're not a Nazi organization. They're the American Association of Individual Investors. Okay, maybe they are a Nazi association. No, 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 no. They're not a Nazi association. They're basically a group of investors who help you put together clubs, investment clubs, and they've got guidelines. Like, you must meet once a month. 
They've got guidelines like, here's how to pook a stock. And they've got guidelines like, you have to pay us. So maybe they are a little bit of a regime. We'll say a regime. So anyway, um, the AAII came out with some data. For, they pulled their members, and people are getting a little bit more uh, bearish. So I'm not too concerned with that. Um, contrarian indicator could be wrong. And that's what we're, we're that's why we show up to work every day. September is supposed to be a down month. Maybe it won't be a down month. September should be interesting either way. And that's what I love about my job. I've got the world's greatest, greatest job. Keep an eye on USO. What is USO? USO is an index of oil. And to me, oil is what fuels our economy. Some people will say it's small businesses, but small businesses have to get in their car and drive to work. Small businesses have to order stuff. Small businesses have to have things delivered. And when you order stuff, it gets manufactured. And oil's involved in the whole process. So I'm keeping an eye on USO. To me, it's telling me where, that's where the money is right now. It's telling me where the market's going to go. And we got uh, economic data today to chew on. It's the ISM. And what this is, is it comes out for the month of August, and it says the recession is over. So I would play Happy Days are here again, but we've got limited resources, and Happy Days are here again. We got the Titanic version. It's it's the, the really sad, melancholy version. So it's not very happy, if you know what I'm saying. But happy days are here again. So you can do it yourself. Sing along for yourself. Um, because our budget's a little bit limited here at Clear Channel. Now, the August ISM, Conditions for the Nation's Manufacturers, it expanded for the first time in 19 months. Are you kidding me? Woohoo! Happy days truly are here again. Manufacturing's pick it up. 52.9% rating. Any reading over 50% is expansion. Any number under 50% is contraction. Okay, one month does not make a trend. And one up month out of 19 months tells you we're in pathetic shape. But this is the first time we've been above that break-even point since January of 08. The sharp jump in the Institute for Supply Management Factory Index. It's a leading indicator of health in the United States economy. It's a leading indicator. Now, what's that mean? A leading indicator might be things along the lines of low levels of inventory. We've got to restock inventory. New orders might be a leading indicator. Some new orders are coming in. We've got to manufacture stuff. We've got to deliver stuff. So it's a leading indicator. It's not a lagging indicator. Uh, unemployment is considered a lagging indicator. Keep in mind, during our last recession, the two years after the recession ended in 2002 and 2003, we actually saw unemployment go higher. So our employment numbers aren't going to get good if we go on history for quite a while. So given the very good historical performance of the indicator in predicting U.S. economic activity, the ISM report is giving us a little bit more evidence of the economy, and thus our recession may have come to an end. Now, it doesn't mean we don't double dip. Only six of the 18 manufacturing industries reported contraction. So 12 were, were not, and six were. A lot of encouraging things inside of here. Like, for instance, metals and plastics and rubber products. They show positive growth as the automobile sector revs up. So inside this manufacturing, we saw metals do well. We saw plastics do well. We saw rubber products do well. Now, inventory restocking continues to be a problem. Companies aren't willing to do the business relationship to get inventory. They don't feel like they got the credit. They feel weird about it. Now, this is a good thing. This is a bad thing. Inventories contracted for a 40th consecutive month, and customer inventories have dropped for five consecutive months. What's that mean? When you go into a store, there's going to be a lot less product on the store. And, for instance, let's say you want a new baby seat for your car. 
It may be two weeks before you get it because the store, Babies R Us, doesn't want to hold it. Does that make sense? So it's going to have to get manufactured, delivered to the store. That's the idea. People don't want a $500 baby car seat right now on their, on their, 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 their shelves. Why? Because you have to pay people. And when you have to pay people, you have to have credit. And people don't feel like, I'm not really putting my neck out on the limb. I got an email from a lady. Hey, lady. Remember Jerry Lewis? Jerry Lewis, not funny. It's the Rob Black statement of the day. Please remember that. Practice it. If you want to paint it on, on walls, that's fine. Jerry Lewis, not funny. Okay, um, I got an email from a lady, and she recently bought a wedding store two years ago. And when you buy a wedding store, you buy the inventory. And basically, she's in the, the process of going bankrupt right now because of inventory. So the inventory is big. Now, the fact that we're so lean on inventory right now, when our economy does pick up and you and I feel like shopping again and using our black Visa card to go out and, and roll the punches... Then inventory is going to have to be made. And what's good about that is that's when the blue collar goes back to work. Blue collar goes back to work making wedding dresses. The blue collar goes back to work and makes uh, car seats. The blue collar goes back to work and makes cars. And that blue collar person suddenly is picking up hours and he's paying his mortgage. He's not going into bankruptcy. And that, that's helping banks. That blue collar suddenly going home and goes, damn it, I worked my butt off this week and I need me a beer. So he drinks Budweiser. And he smokes cigarettes. His wife, now that the husband's at work doing blue-collar work, she's having an affair. And that helps, I don't know, hotels. They get tired of not seeing each other, and they plan to rekindle their love, so they go on vacation. That's why inventory levels are important. And we also got a little bit of home data today, boosted by low prices. We saw that home buyer tax credit. Pending sales of existing homes rose in July for the sixth straight month. Pending home sales index rose 3.2% in July. Now, again, these are awful numbers. You know, that's like, okay, now you're going to say this is massively inappropriate. And it is massively inappropriate. And I'm not going to dump myself, but uh, let's say you're in a prison camp and you went from 180 pounds down to 100 pounds. You're skin and bones at this point in time. So the next next year, you're out of prison camp, and you go from 100 to 110. That's a 10% jump, and you go, woo, that's a 10% jump. You can't get ex- all that excited by that because you're still 70 pounds off your weight. So these home sales data, they're incredibly screwed. Now, what's good about the data is it's no longer getting worse. But what's bad about the data is we're, no, we're near 2006 levels, and you are smoking some good California weed. If you think that uh, we're anywhere close to, to a recovery in housing. Retailers' weekly sales dropped from a year ago levels. Today, we got a little bit more economic data, um, down 7 tenths of a percent. Um, this is a shopping center in a Goldman Sachs survey on a week-over-week basis. Sales dropped one-half of 1%. The back-to-school calendar shift on balance boost year-over-year sales in August a tad because back-to-school happened in August this year versus September and a little bit earlier Labor Day and also sp- uh, people going back to school before Labor Day, which is kind of a new phenomenon out there, all things considered. So back-to-school sales really not carrying the, the, the weight at this point in time. Let's take a little bit of a break. When we come back, it's the Rob Black Show, Talk 910 KDW. If you have anything you want to talk about, come on. I just threw out a lot of content at you from the Black Visa card to Bill Rancic to Cash for Clunkers to 
economic data to September being a bad month, you throw some stuff at me. Be a monkey. Throw throw at me. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. You can also follow along with us online at 910kennyw.com. Talk 910 KNEW, helping you make sense of the complicated world of money and finance. This is Rob Black. Coming up next hour, I'm going to be talking with Bill Rancic. Every now and then I get pitched some PR stuff, and this is PR stuff, there's no doubt about it. And um, we're going to be talking about the community and outreach programs and Bill Rancic was the winner on Apprentice, and I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't want to put too many people on this show that are reality show winners. Uh, I want to be careful about it. I will say this: I think he's an incredibly pleasant man, and he tends to float from project to project that are interesting and intriguing. So, I'm um, going to give him a little bit of microphone time, airtime, as I like to refer to it. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. In a little bit later, I'm going to be talking about cash for clunkers and how the numbers are actually playing out. It, the media just gets it totally wrong. The media gets a press release and reads it as if it's news. They do no analysis of it. No analysis. And people that look like they're financial media people, they typically have no analytical skills. And I could just, you know, Cheryl Cassoni, who's on Fox Business, she was a stewardess before she got into financial media. Um <sighs> Melissa Francis, she was a tech reporter before she got became the oil uh, patch honey over at CNBC. And there's just time and time and time and time again, there's actually no work experience in the industry that they're they're reporting on. So be very, very cautious. eBay today has announced that they're going to sell a selling Skype for about $2 billion. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Wall Street doesn't like it because Skype is actually showing growth numbers for eBay, and on the other hand, we we moaned and groaned that Skype made no sense for eBay. You know, eBay does online auctions. eBay does PayPal. They kind of have a, a relationship together. You buy, you know, Rob Black's used shoes on eBay, and you can pay for them with PayPal. You get it. But when you introduced the Skype angle on it, it didn't make a lot of sense. So uh, that's one of the bigger stories out there today, and that's certainly a, a headliner. To me, I don't care. eBay needs to show me some sort of internal growth in their numbers, um, even when you strip away or even when you include the PayPal and the Skypes, I, I, I'm just not that impressed with the growth that we're seeing out of eBay ever since Meg Whitman left that company. Let's go to Joey and San Rafael. Joey. Boom. Bingo. Bango. What's up, Rob? Hey, man, you put it down with that cheating hotel insight about the blue collar worker working the calluses off his fingertips. And then his wife gets annoyed and agitated, cheats on him. Uh, char- puts a charge card on the hotel, man. You dropped it and you put it down like a Christmas tree in early December, bro. Love that. I'm I'm a big proponent of uh, of cheating, and I do want to drop you a line real quick. If a girl ever accuses you of cheating and she wants to know the truth, just tell her a gentleman never tells. That's a good line. And and I and I coined and I coined that one. And I want to say one more thing, um, Heidi. I, I think Heidi's pretty cool. 
Uh, quit flirting on me when she answers the answers the the call because I, I wouldn't date her because she's a nice girl and you know I wouldn't want to break her heart like I did to my beta fish aquarium when I moved on the pathway, huh? Aubrey. Heidi is happily married, and I assure you she's not flirting with you, Joey. All right, yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm just kidding. Hey, hey, Rod, man, I like I like what you're doing though because every show you have, I steal it, and when what? I'm out, I tell chicks I'm a financial planner. And I just pretty much reiterate your show to them, but instead of doing it from first hour to second, I do it from second hour to first. And they eat it up, hook, line, and sinker, baby. Why do you listen to the show, Joey? I'm I'm curious, because you're certainly, if, if I were to say I had an ideal listener, it's a 35 to 45-year-old couple who are pulling in hundred to $200,000 a year in income. That That would be my ideal. Why do you listen? Because you're a smart guy, you got insight. If I listen to the other shows, it's the same old cliche nonsense about Barbara Boxer, that lady who looks like a dead possum. What's her name? Oh, Nancy Pelosi. And I get a lot from your show, man. You're smart. I do. I do like. I like your smartness, man. Why do you? Why not? Okay, okay, okay. I, I got it now. Why do you listen to radio? Like, for if I wasn't here right now, I probably would be out jogging or. Um, I might be doing some other things, and I'm not putting down radio listeners because the radio listeners are the greatest thing on the on the planet because they're smart. They they stay with a, a, a content for more than a minute or two. They're, I think radio listeners are much smarter than television. But why do you listen? Um, don't you have other things you should be doing? Well, I do. I do. It's like multitask. You know, in route to where I got to go, run errands. I'm listening, and it's free education. I could go to college and I could learn about. Tie-dye, or I can listen. You know, I prefer camouflage over tie-dye. That's the best speaking in analogy I could put it. But, yeah, I learn a lot. Why not learn a lot? It's free education, and it's, it's faster than reading a book or listening to an Anthony Robbins motivational speaker DVD or CD. And it, it, it's, it's a great, it's a great uh, outlet to learn. Thanks for the call, Joey. Joey in San Rafael. He's good in small doses. It's good in small doses, but you got to keep in mind, small doses. Now, it's interesting why he listens. I, I'm always intrigued. I think I do a, a fairly smart show. I think I'm unique in my Generation X approach to it. Um, not a lot of people willing to be honest. I'm honest to a fault. Um, I used to do a nationally syndicated show, and you run into issues where, you know, one sponsor doesn't want you to be that controversial, or you can't tell the truth about crap annuity products. Um, because the sponsor sells crap annuity products. So it's it's a little frustrating. But I got an email from someone who said, uh, they attended my Los Gatos event last week and said, I'm the one who asked you about, you know, the best street in San Carlos. And I got mail! Yay! I got mail! Yay! He basically says that he's got a wife and a child who lives in China. And I had met the wife before at a previous seminar kind of thing. And this all resulted in his daughter crying. This was about midnight time in China. He basically calls his wife and says, I just left the Rob Black event thing. And then his daughter starts crying. She was the only one in the family who had not met me, Rob Black. She's familiar with me because the people listen to the podcast in the car, even though she would much prefer High School Musical or Beatles tunes um, over my show. I would much rather hear Beatles tunes or High School Musical over my own show. I hate listening to my own shows. So to pacify his daughter, his wife turned on the computer and started downloading one of my shows and put a picture of me from the internet on, and that was enough to satisfy a daughter, a six-year-old girl in China at midnight crying for me. That's like the coolest email I've ever received, I, and I think that's very, very sweet, and um, I'm, I'm 
I'm honored to say the least. Um, so if I knew the daughter's name, I'd give a shout out to her at this point in time, but I don't. A uh, little six-year-old in China, Rob Black, says thank you. It's the best thing that I can do. Now, let's talk one more, because I just did an email. Let's do one more email. Sure, why not? Um, this person says they continue to see themselves as a high-tech refugee from the Silicon Valley. <laughs> I think that's a typo. Been a small business owner for the last six years. One of those fools who stood around and uh, fell financially, and it's devastating. My home mortgage got sour last year when my five-year arm had a screeching halt only at its two-and-a-half-year point with a $2,300 a month becoming basically $5,300 a month. So basically an adjustable rate mortgage adjusts. Sometimes it adjusts due to interest rates. Sometimes it adjusts due to labor, uh, LIBOR rates. Sometimes it adjusts due to, you know, every year it kicks up a little bit higher kind of thing. That's the basic idea. So the email goes on and says, I did a little loan modification negotiation and it's commenced after a trial period. The person stopped paying their, their mortgage to get the attention of the bank. And that's what you have to do, sadly, to get the attention. They declared to WAMU, the holder of their mortgage, that their family's gross income was about $9,300 a month on a year's average. Business could go up. Business could go down. My total monthly expenses were about 4900 including home taxes, 13000 and insurance, 1200 food, insurance, utilities, etc., my home loan is for $1 million, and the home now sells for about $1.1 million. Uh, my plan is to ask WAMU for a $2,600 monthly mortgage or lower. Uh, postpone my first payment until December 2009 or January 2010 when it resumes. Is this possible? Should I try to do this on my own? First and foremost, you're not. I don't think you're going to get a, a million-dollar mortgage cut to $2,600. It's not likely. That's more of a $600,000, $500,000 mortgage. Um, you can try with WAMU and you can try to go through an attorney if you want to do that and pay $3,000, $4,000 for them to basically, you know, harass the lender every day for, you know, a 30, 45 day period, try to get a, a modification in for you. Um, I know one modification attorney that I, I like, but I still don't push people towards modification attorneys. I say, try to do it on your own. To do it on your own, you need to show a great budget. Not, I may, I need $4,900 for monthly expenses. Very few people need $4,900 for monthly expenses. I think you could do a lot cheaper than that. Now, I don't know. If I had a home that was worth $1.1 million and it's, I currently have a million-dollar mortgage, I'd sell the home. If you think you can sell the home, sell the home. Um, ultimately, let's say you sell it for 900000 As long as it's a non-recourse loan, you're not going to get taxed to 1099 at the end of the year. So I would sell the house. I don't care about credit ratings. People, people will more than gladly extend you credit in the future. Um, this person could sell the business right away. I don't know what business they're in, so I can't tell you to sell the business. Sell both is an answer and buy an affordable house with estimated proceeds. File for bankruptcy. See a lawyer negotiator. I would say consider a bankruptcy attorney if your cost can't be changed because those costs feel really high to me. $4,900 in monthly expenses plus a mortgage. I think it could come down, but I don't know. So anyway... um, I don't know. It's when you have a house worth 1.1 million and it's it's your loans for a million. Take a hundred thousand dollar profit, rent for a little while, get back on your feet, focus later on what you want from housing. You don't have to write it out just to write it out. I don't think California real estate's gonna. You're not you're not gonna miss a bus. Let's go to James and Concord. James, hi. How are you doing, Rob? Good. Um, yeah, just had a question. Um, just purchased a home back in May. And I uh, was wondering about that $8,000 tax credit and um, how I apply for that. 
it'll be on your taxes this year. So, oh, okay. So I don't have to worry about it running out or anything like the, you know. No, no, no. Deal. Yeah, yeah. It's not a rebate. It's not going to oh, come okay. to you like that. It's um, it's going to lower your taxable income this year, um, okay. first and foremost. And anything that's left over would be, you know, the IRS gives you money at the end of the year. Um, that's the best and easiest way to do that. So did you not own a home in the three previous years? No, I have not. I'm a first-time home buyer. Okay. It's ideal for you, James. Thanks for the call. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's the Rob Black Shoe. I'm Rob Black. Black is watching your wallet live and local. Call 1-800-345-KNEW. So I'm going to be talking about sugar in Nuno Montero. Anyhow, this music had Balinese chants. It had surf instrumentals. It had pop melodies. It had Burundi ritual musical influence with tom-tom drum beats. How cool is that for a pop band in the 80s? Mm. Anyway, I Want Candy. The lead singer, she had a mohawk. And in the 1980s, I'm a young man. And I was like, whoa, chick with a mohawk. Pretty cool. But on top of that, when she was 14 years old, she's on the cover of the album, basically naked. Uh, she's got her knees up against her chest. You can't see anything all that controversial. But it was controversial. I remember my, my father freaked out when, you know, young Rob Black comes home with an album that's got a 14-year-old nude girl on it. Young Rob Black looked at that album cover as much as young Rob Black listened to the music. Anyway, it was a little culture clubbish. It was a little Adam and the Antish. It was a little new wavy. And yeah, I guess I'm giving myself up as saying I probably listened to some of the softer music out of the 80s. I wasn't Metallica. I should have been. I wasn't Ozzy Osbourne. I should have been. I wasn't Black Sabbath. I should have been. But I was a little bit on the softer, more feminine side. So anyway, um, I want candy. Your candy's going to cost more money this time next year. Raw sugar futures have hit a 28 and a half year high. So you know you hear these radio hosts talking about just Dumb and name stuff. Buy gold coins. They always go higher. Well, no, no, no. They're basically stealing from you because the markup in gold coins is ridiculously high. So sugar is at a 28 and a half year high. Why aren't, you know, radio talk show hosts like, go buy candy bars. Put a candy bar in your kitchen and you'll make money. You can sell it next year for 30% more. Anyway, they're morons. Raw sugar hits a 28 and a half year high. 
Strong demand from the top consumer. Who do you think is the top consumer of sugar in the world? I told you yesterday they're having dry season. They're not getting enough rain. It's India. White sugar has soared to a record high, partly adjusting to sharp gains on Monday when London was uh, shut down because they weren't doing business on Monday. So continued strong demand from India despite a sharp jump in prices during the last few days. Now, again, when prices get pretty expensive, you ultimately go, no, thank you. Now, there's two analysts out there today talking about this. I think this is important because there's two plays. There's one called Imperial Sugar, IPSU, and there's one called COSAN, CZZ. Now, finding the sweet spot in sugar cane, <laughs> I know, you're saying, did he write that? I couldn't make this stuff up. I'll be here all week. So COSAN has found the sweet spot in sugar cane, ethanol, and sugar triangle. They plant about 572,000 hectares. The company is one of the largest growers and processors of sugar cane in the world. It crushed some 40 million tons of cane in fiscal 2008. They turned their harvest into raw and refined sugar products for human consumption and industrial use. They're the largest ethanol producer in Brazil. They've manufactured over 400 million gallons of ethanol for both domestic and foreign customers. So that's COSAN, C-Z-Z. Now, about six months from now, Lynn Jimenez will be talking about, did you know your candy bars 30% more expensive? I'm telling you now what she's going to be talking about, because that's how good I am. Now, Imperial Sugar is the other play. I like COSAN a little bit more. It's got the non-dollar play. It's got the international play. Imperial Sugar is the other play. It's ticker symbol IPSU. And what Imperial Sugar, they're located, I can't make this stuff up, in Sugarland, Texas. Is that not the worst? But they occupy a sweet spot in the field of sugar. They manufacture well-known Dixie Crystals, Holly, and Imperial. So they're selling the white, the brown, and the powdered sugars. By the way, I love me some brown sugar. I really like cooking with brown sugar. Brown sugar is a great caramelizer, fantastic caramelizer. So they got the Savannah Gold brown sugar. They got syrup. They got molasses. They got specialty sugars. I prefer me some Kozan over some Imperial sugar. Again, just a matter of taste. Now, let's talk about one analyst, BWS Financial. They think domestic prices on sugar could rise sharply and allow Imperial sugar to benefit from higher prices and expanded gross margins. This is true. BWS Financial notes that the price of world raw sugar is on the move higher. They note the price has now reached a level not seen in 30 years. The demand supply situation in the world has not improved, and it's likely to cause further price appreciation in the short term. The phrase that pays here is short term. Prices encroaching levels where domestic sugar tends to trade basically draws much expectation domestic sugar prices could rally. So right now we're starting to hit that sweet spot where, boom, demand could pick up and supply is not there. So we're hitting that teeter-totter. In the scenario, domestic prices could rise sharply and allow imperial sugar to benefit from higher prices and expanded gross margins. They note the shares have moved up in anticipation, so it's not an easy play. But if the price of sugar does continue to increase, they'll see even larger profits. They're bullish on imperial sugar. I need a break or are we caught up? Yeah, let's break here because I got to do one last break. And I just gave you the whole imperial sugar rush and I need to come off of it. 800-345-5639. calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Coming up next hour, we're going to be speaking with Bill Rancic. Uh, I got more content up my sleeve. I'm going to talk cash for clunkers next. Stay tuned for that. It's the Rob Black Shoe. I'm Rob Black.
Glenn Beck coming up at noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Now, Rob Black. It's pretty cool that Glenn Beck knows my name. He's never met me, but it's pretty cool that he said my name at least. Okay, let's talk cash for clunkers. I was driving in today and I heard Lynn Jimenez, who I guess I have a, a crush on because I clearly I hate everything that comes out of her mouth. Financially speak, no, 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 no. Let me give her props. KGO is a big signal. It's a big, powerful signal. And I think she does a great job of reporting. I think she does an awful job of financial reporting. So I think she reads a good press release. So anyway, according to the U.S. Department of Transportation, uh, today she talked about how great a success Cash for Clunkers was. And you can't analyze in a vacuum. You can't do it. According to the U.S. Department of Transportation, dealers submitted 690,114 cash for clunker claims, $2.88 billion, free money our government gave. For all intents and purposes, the program was a success. We all know that. We know that people got off their duff and got a car. Ford, GM, and Toyota, they all increased production runs for the end of the year in order to boost inventory and meet their expected demand. That's the rub. At this point in time, to replace the cars, Ford, GM, and Toyota have sent people back to work question is, will cash for clunkers really be the big boom that everyone is saying it is? I'm going to give you some scenarios. Back of the envelope, growth calculations. You and I sit in at a bar. You assume that none of the buyers in the cash for clunker scheme were in the market for a new car. The entire stimulus package worked as expected. But some people clearly wanted a new car because every month we still have car sales, right? There's never been a month where people didn't buy a car at all in the United States. But if you assume that every one of them was a new buyer, that $2.88 billion would have succeeded in increasing GDP growth by only four-tenths of a percentage point. Keep in mind, we are at negative GDP growth. Two quarters in a row equals the recession. So four-tenths of a percentage point, less than one-half of 1%. And that's hardly the big boost that everyone's talked about. Now, that's if you factor in every single car was due to the cash for clunkers. If we factor in the cost of the car, you get a bigger increase, but not by much. Keep in mind, there's cost involved. So just because you see $2.88 billion, there's, you know, it costs metal and it costs paint and it costs dealers inventory. So if you factor in the entire cost of the car, the average cost of a car in the second quarter of 2009 was $26,300. You factor in the total increase in consumption, GDP would increase by a stronger 2.3 percentage points. So that's pretty impressive. But again, you can't do that. A lot of these buyers would have been in the market for a new car regardless of the rebate. These customers were not enticed. They weren't stimulated. They were given free money. Now, let's assume demand for new cars at the level seen in June was 860000 That's prior to the cash for clunkers. 860000 Now, sales in July were 995000 That's an increase of, what, 135000 Not bad, right? So, August sales are expected to hit $1.1 million. So, that would be an increase of 240000 Roughly 860,000 would have been purchased without the stimulus package, though. So the net gain is only 375,000 vehicles. And again, if you factor in prior sales demand, GDP would increase a mere modest 1.3 percentage points at this point in time. And that's the whole cost of the car. And that's not fair because that's not how you do business in this world. The success for cash for clunkers took everyone by surprise. For instance, Honda, they're renowned in the industry for inventory management. They had not anticipated the demand for the new cars in August. They had to pay out overtime. So their costs actually went higher 
so they can meet production needs. Expectations are that inventories of cars in third quarter will have dropped due to unexpected increase in car sales. Now, this acts as drain on GDP. Let's do another back-of-the-envelope calculation. You see that the drain on GDP due to inventory contraction. Now, this is according to the Bureau of Economic Analysis. The average inventory value of a new car costs $18,000. So it costs 18000 even though they sell them for 26000 on the new car. Let's go back and assume all the cars purchased on the cash for clunkers package were not going to be purchased without the stimulus. The 690,000 cars sold drained inventories and cost GDP 1.6 percentage points. That actually hurt us. So yeah, hopefully you see where I'm going with this because this is, this is tough radio. But the increase in GDP due to stimulus was offset by the reduction in inventories. Net gain only seven-tenths of a percentage point. If you assume vehicle demand would have been at the level in June, the stimulus would add only four-tenths of a stimulus point to the GDP. And again, if we can get 2 to 4% GDP growth, 4% is great, 2 to percent's anemic. We just spent $3 billion as a nation to get four-tenths of a percentage point. Now, to boost GDP in the fourth quarter, it's going to be nice. Inventories have to be restocked. We're going to see people go back to work. News out of Ford, GM, they're expecting demand to continue at the heightened level seen in August. And both companies are increasing production to meet that demand. They're not thinking that demand will go back to the 860,000. They think that it's going to stay at the 1.1 million. If this holds true, inventories are going to skyrocket in the fourth quarter. Auto assemblies in July rose 32% month over month. And it's, not, it's plausible that car manufacturers increase production another 30% through the fourth quarter. So we're going to see a huge push in the inventories. Now, here's the problem. What's going to happen in 2010 when there's no stimulus? Is it logical to assume car sales are going to continue at the levels of August and not June? I think that's illogical. Now, all the negative fundamentals that the consumers face, and they're still going to be there in 2010. Keep in mind, even after recession ends, it takes us one to two years to get back to, to adding jobs. Unemployment's expected to continue to rise through 2012 at this point. Income growth is going to be minimal as long as there's strong competition for jobs. Housing prices at best are going to hold their current level and have a negative impact on household wealth. Savings are going to have to rise as the consumer continues to do leverage. These drags on the consumer only means the auto sales continue at the pace in August. Not going to happen. So if inventories rise too fast and consumers holding off purchasing new cars, we could have a production crash in 2010. It's, this isn't a good idea. We did bad. Anyhow, anyway. It's the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't be shy with your calls. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Rob Black, weekday mornings from 10 to noon on Talk 910 KNEW. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.